speakers, I bid you welcome. The theater is a temple, and we are here to worship the gods of comedy and tragedy. Tonight, I am pleased to announce a comedy. We shall employ every device we know in our desire to divert you. Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with kings, nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars and clowns. Old situations, new complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Tragedy tomorrow, comedy tonight. Hello and welcome to Broadway Videos. This week on Broadway for Sunday, June 19th, 2022. Happy Father's Day. My name is James Marino, and on the broadcast today, we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, will be released in September of 2022 and can now be pre-ordered on Amazon. Peter also has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, Encore Monthly, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. One of your other uh, one of your other uh, responsibilities this year has been as uh, 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 correct on the nominating committee of the Drama Desk Awards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, this past Tuesday, you had the uh, Drama Desk Awards presentations at Sardi's, and uh, that a well, good time was had by all, right? Yes, um, it was a very simple ceremony. Uh, it was in a function room, and um, most of the people showed up. Uh, Patty Lapone didn't, but of course she was out this week, so I think something was uh, severely wrong there. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to tell a funny story, but I'm not going to give names because I don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> person A was introducing person B, who would be a presenter. And person A was saying how great person B was. Oh, my God. Person B was just so sensational and wonderful and terrific. And as person B got up to speak, the pianist played, it ain't necessarily so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, was that one of that person's roles, at least? No, (laughs) no, no. That person had nothing to do with Porgy and Bess whatsoever. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, when we seen a Porgy, well, yes, you and I did see a Porgy and Bess not that long ago, but not on Broadway. Um, But nevertheless, yeah, really, wasn't that something? I mean, boy, everybody's a critic, huh? And could the piano player see who was getting up to speak? Well, it was very much mentioned by name so uh you know i i I really think it was an editorial comment you know so (laughs) i thought i thought you were going to say it was david allen greer who got up and that would have been fine (laughs) no 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 david was home so um i think he was i'm i can't say for sure you know but anyway but wow that was really something but um anyway a a good time was had by all so it was really quite nice uh, to see so many people um up there well, that other voice that you heard is Broadway Radio's newest uh, puppy owner or puppy <laughs> parent, Michael Portantier. He's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He's also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael, and parent to Twinkle, the new puppy. <laughs> yes, we're both doing fine here. <laughs> Um, mention must be made of the boys from Syracuse, uh, which went spectacularly well uh, the other night. Uh, spectac- I hope you were pleased, Michael. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, there's always little things, little technical. Always, things, but, always, of course. But, but those are things we didn't notice. Those are things you noticed. It was so gratifying to me that the audience was absolutely 100 percent with us you from bet. the from the first moment. You bet. And when mm. especially to the point of like laughing at. Eighty-year-old lyrics, eighty-four-year-old lyrics. I I just think that's so wonderful. And you know, um, this is this is my little embarrassing story. Uh, Michael Colby was there, and afterwards he introduced me to one of the other gentlemen at his table, and he was very complimentary. But I, the noise level in the room after the show was so loud that I didn't get the gentleman's name. Do you know who the gentleman was? Tell us. 
Larry Hart II, the nephew of Larry Hart, son of Teddy Hart, uh, who was uh, one of the who played the role of Dromeo. Uh, Dromeo of now, which one is it again? Uh, <laughs> you got a 50 Syrac- 50 chance of getting it right. Syracuse, I think <laughs> the one who sang Big Brother. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, and we ha- we did do uh, Big Brother in mm-hmm. our in our mm-hmm. show that that song is not on all the cast albums, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. my friend Kenny Rotz sang it uh, beautifully, I think, with um, Michael Levine in harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we threw in some harmony. And uh, and so as he was singing that song, sitting in front of him, was the son of of the fellow who introduced it on Broadway 84 years ago. Uh, I I think that's great. I just like the the continuum, you know. I met that gentleman some years ago, and he actually gave me a copy of Lorenz Hart's Will. So if you need to look at that, it lives in my house. (laughs) Thanks. Good to know. It is. Good to know. I'm not mentioned in the will. Uh, so anyway, what can you do? Oh, yeah. Overlooked again. Yeah. Oh, it happens so all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also uh, June 19th, uh, 2022 is Father's Day. And uh, Peter, tell us about uh, Broadway's connection to Father's Day. Well, there was a play called Father's Day um, that uh, opened in 1971 on March 16th. And closed on March 16th, 1971, uh, one performance, which in a way is fitting because after all, Father's Day only comes once a year. Right. I mean, you know, when you think of it in, that, in those terms, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it seems to be um, quite accurate. But the irony is the irony is <laughs> it was written by Oliver Haley, who had three. Sh- this, sh- this would have been a great trivia question. We had three shows on Broadway, each of which lasted one night. Mm. Boy, I mean, that must really be very painful. So um, uh, the first one was called First One Asleep Whistle, which I remember reading way back in 1966. And the last one was I Won't Dance in 1981, which was the last show to play the old Helen Hayes Theater before it gave way to the the marquee. So um, so really, I mean, you look at these things and I mean, there's disaster all all over them, not just one performance, but to think that your show was the last show to play the Helen Hayes, that it actually closed the theater. Of course, that's not the reason the theater closed. I mean, but nevertheless, um, the uh, it really is very uh, odd to think of it in those terms. You know, no wonder he um, he, he died reasonably young. He was 60. So um, I guess it really took its toll. But imagine um, three shows, three performances total. Wow. You know what's interesting here is his first show, first first, first one, one was sleep, sleep, sleep whistle. whistle, yeah, produced by Edgar Lansbury, Bruce Lansbury. His second show, Father's Day, produced by uh, Joseph Kipnis and Lawrence Kasha, uh-huh. and the third show produced by, by David, David Merrick. Merrick. Yeah. So yeah. these were not rookies. These are no, no these are people true. who who saw something and said we could do this. Right. You know, every one of those um, is a Tony winner. Every one of them, those producers, you know, so uh, that's really something. Yeah. Uh, the uh, subject was roses, um, certainly mm-hmm, for the Lansbury's, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Kipnis and Kasha for applause and um, Merrick needles to say many yeah. times. So uh, so that's really something. So well, anyway, I hope everybody has a better Father's Day than all of it. did. <laughs> well, apparently he had more success in TV uh, with yeah, Mary Hartman, he, Mary yeah, Hartman. He did make a living. Yes. McMillan yeah. and wife. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, sure. Family. That's that's the show with Seda Thompson, mm, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the Cosby Show. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. A yeah. few mm-hmm. small hits there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that is. Uh, what other? Uh, do we have? We have other television writers who I, I can't think of right now who have tried to come to Broadway and and. Not people who did Friends, um, yeah. David Crane and Margaret Kaufman did, right. a musical, yeah. did a musical of Arthur, the um, right. Dudley Moore movie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, nothing much happened. And they said, we're going to Hollywood and look what happened. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my friend David Wolf telling me he was watching a sitcom once and suddenly there was a reference to cockeyed Johnny Dembo which is a character in Bajor. And he says, see, this proves that so many of these people who want to write Broadway musicals actually got discouraged and went to Hollywood and are making a fortune out there. And really, who can blame them? You know, so who can blame them? <laughs> who can blame them? But we uh, we were all glued to our television last Sunday to make sure if Peter and Michael's uh, predictions came true. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you, there are there are many things I don't understand in life, but um, chief among them now will be Strange Loop winning Best Musical. And this is no judgment on the musical itself. However, I will say that I was stunned beyond belief and not just because it took about two hours for uh, it to win any award, but um, more to the point, I was just flabbergasted. I said last week that I didn't see it winning because I didn't think the road voters would vote for it. Again, this is one of those times when I would love to see exactly the number of votes as we see in politics. We know exactly how many votes a politician gets. Um, I would love to see the number of votes. Was it a squeaker? You know, did six finish second? I imagine it did. But I mean, nevertheless, I'm flabbergasted that it won because I really don't see it playing around the country to much success. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that. And I think I've said this before. There is another way to look at that, isn't there? Uh, people might have looked at it and said, well, we don't need to give best musical to six because it's going to be produced everywhere anyway, regardless. Um, so they don't it doesn't need any help from us. But if we give the award to a show that really needs the help, then we have two properties rather than one that are going to make money for a lot of people. Isn't well, that a valid way to look at it? Uh, uh, Michael, 100% valid. I have heard, I've been on many committees where I've heard people actually make that statement. Let's give mm -hmm. it to X because Y doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. So that may very well be it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good point. You know, I want to um, ask, ask the two of you uh, uh, off the top of your head, what, you know, who do you felt were the big winners of, uh, of the awards last week? Who, with, who has helped the most? Well, I I thought um, that Paradise Square was helped most by that incredible performance, mm -hmm. okay. uh, and and the win, but even maybe more so the performance by Joaquino Calocongo, um, and uh, and I also felt um, that if I had not seen uh, um, the Bob Dylan show, Girl from the North Country, mm -hmm. um, that number would have gotten me to buy a ticket yeah i think mr saturday night may have been helped too uh because uh billy crystal was very funny and getting yeah. the audience involved and all that and having a shot of lin-manuel miranda you know playing ball with him um certainly helped as well but yeah i i don't think that uh paradise square is going to uh succeed um and make back its money no. uh, as a result of this performance but nevertheless uh, i do suspect there is an uptick uh, as a result of what happened um, last week, uh, it would have been a bigger uptick, of course, if indeed um, it had come earlier in the program. Uh, there's no question that uh, people do tune out as time goes on. And it was a long show. If you include Paramount Plus, wasn't it four hours? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a lot. So uh, uh, let me ask you, who were the big winners? <sighs> I guess it has to be strange loop, even with just two awards. And, you know, I thought that was the first time that that ever happened, but not remotely that, that a best musical winner only won one other uh, award. And um, as people in all that chat pointed out, um, it happened to 42nd Street because it won best choreography and nothing else. It happened to two gentlemen of Verona, which won best book and nothing else. It happened to Raisin, which won for Virginia Capers and nothing else. So uh, this is the fourth time that a show has won best musical and has nabbed only one other Tony. So um, the ads on the street now that you see, see winner, best musical, it doesn't say winner two Tony Awards. You know, that yeah. was on paltry. So they know what they're doing, of course. But uh, still um, that to, to think really, I mean, Michael Jackson must have been very, very uh, Michael R. Jackson must have been very, very concerned as the night was going on when nothing was happening for mm. him, you know, because it took a long time. And I think a lot of people thought that the best score would, would go to him. So um, I think that was a surprise to many people. Yeah, the fact that Best Musical did not go to six was a tremendous relief to me, as you might imagine. <laughs> but uh, but uh, on the other hand, I, I you know just to give it score, it did not make me happy. So I I think that definitely should have gone as well to a Strange Loop. So it's funny because we we've been discussing this for uh, you know ten minutes or so. <laughs> uh, and we haven't said the words the Lehman Trilogy or company. Well, I was just about, I was just about to say, uh, and as to your last question, I, I, 
I think company came across as a big winner, um, even if the number of awards wasn't that much. But 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 Patty Lapone and Marianne Elliott, and and again, I think that number came across really well. And I I'm sure that they sold a lot of tickets. Oh, and Matt Doyle really seems to be an audience favorite. You know, um, Matt Doyle's slash uh, husband, boyfriend. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Max Clayton. I saw mm-hmm. the other night in Music Man and he was tremendous, self-assured, confident, not cocky. We're going to come up. To, uh, the word cocky is going to come up a little later, um, but uh, confident and dances well, sings well, you know, acts well, really. Uh, and, you know, there he is. Uh, uh, playing against a superstar somebody who's won two tony awards and um but just so assured not the least bit uh tentative in any uh way so it was a good week for matt uh max clayton and matt doyle um of course matt doyle uh winning a tony is is better than going on as um in a role that um is known for you jackman but i'll tell you that audience was so behind him from the beginning it was this was to say look we know this is a terribly difficult assignment to have to take over for you jackman that everybody wants to see you jackman and the, the response when harold hill stands up after that um, rock island number was as intense and as supportive as it was when i saw you jackman do it i really think it lasted the same amount of time and with the same intensity so and well deserved so anyway um i know i'm getting off the track but nevertheless i did want to bring up that max clayton was terrific in the music man so uh, Company and the Lehman Trilogy led with five awards each, and everybody went, went down from there. So while we're talking about MJ and A Strange Loop and Six and Take Me Out, these are uh, – uh, this wasn't uh, this whole freight train theory that we were talking about last week. No. Uh, Paradise Square had 10 nominations, came away with one. MJ yeah. had 10, 10 nominations, came away with four. Strange Loop had 11 nominations, came away with two. Uh, this is uh, this was uh, very spread out. Plus, I wanted to ask the two of you about the Lehman Trilogy. Um, uh, uh, obviously, uh, highly heralded and things like that, but closed. Sure. But closed. But, but closed yeah. and, and led the categories in the, on the play side. Uh, has that happened before where uh, a closed play has really dominated? I think so, because yeah. as we all know, the, so many of the plays nowadays have limited right. runs. Don't they? But I would have to say, you know, we, I think all of us said that we felt that the three actors in the Lima trilogy were going to split the vote. Yeah, so, that was a surprise. So yeah. that is a yeah. great tribute yeah. to Simon Russell Beale. Yeah, really. really. Really? Yeah. Neither one of us saw that coming. No. So, um, no. Um, no, it's it's so easy to say split the vote, too. I mean, it's almost a knee jerk reaction and we have to be more careful in the future not to do it. I mean, I, the first time I ever saw the, the expression split the vote, because I go way back, as people know, was um, in 1963 when um, Tom Jones had three supporting actresses in um, the category and uh, they were all wonderful. And um, I thought one of them would win a three out of five. One of them. Would win. And I remember reading about splitting the vote, you know, and so that was my first experience with that expression. So uh, it's easy to say, you know, it seems like the thing to default to. But um, now we have to be more careful. Well, yeah, although in this case, I really think it, it was justified to think that that might happen because the the way the show is written and the way those three interact with each other constantly uh it's it's not the same as uh two different people playing two very different supporting roles in a in a musical or you know something like that you know what i'm saying i do yeah. i do yeah i do but nevertheless um <laughs> if one listens to last week both of us use the expression split the vote so <laughs> so anyway um so be it but I wonder, you bring up, when you mentioned five, um, James, this brings up a good point. Has there ever been a Tony, um, not in the early years when they were still trying to even sort out um, what should get um, awards? I mean, there wasn't a Best Director of a Musical Award till I think, 1960, which is amazing when you think they were giving out choreography, but no director of a musical. Um, <laughs> but I mean, once the Tonys really started, um, let's say in the 60s, and they started having... Um, categories for real. I wonder if indeed there has ever been a year where the big winner 
only got five. Hmm. It doesn't seem like that many to me. You know, you always see winner seven, winner nine, you know, I mean, that type of thing. Um, so I wonder if there's ever been a year where there have been so f- the big winner only got five. Well, I think the one that we predicted, or I think it was mostly James who predicted that the juggernaut might be a strange loop. Uh, let me ask the two of you, how did you consume this? Did you uh, obviously the Paramount Plus was only online uh, for the first hour. Did you switch over to your televisions or did you stay online? Oh, no, it was it was actually on TV. Um, uh, at least I saw it on a TV at my buddy Ken Bloom's house. Uh, the Paramount, the, the Julianne Huff and uh, and what's his name? I forget his name. The first yeah. hour. Yeah. That was not they, they must have watched it uh, on an application on their television. So OK, it wasn't that may be. wasn't bro- wasn't mm-hmm. broadcast over the air. OK, I, I don't know how they did it. But believe me, it, it the the CBS section looked exactly the same as the Paramount Plus to uh, where I was mm-hmm. sitting. So uh, how about you, Michael? I only watched uh, the CBS portion because I, I didn't have uh-huh. access and I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was that important to, yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I was tremendously sad and disappointed that there was not even a mention mm. of the lifetime achievement award to Angela Lansbury. Oh, we, what's interesting was that that was in the first hour and yeah. Angela was not there to accept it. Right. I heard, uh, later heard that. Yes. And, uh, and I, so, yeah, I have it on good authority. That doesn't mean great authority, but good authority. They actually did tape her. And one has to wonder if they felt, hmm, uh, maybe she just wasn't up to it. I mean, uh, somebody suggested that uh, because Liza Minnelli at the Oscars didn't come across well, hmm. that maybe uh, they felt, oh, let's not do the same type of thing. I have no idea. I mean, Angela Lansbury right now might be in great shape, and I hope she is, of course. But um, I wonder if that was a consideration. Because yeah, I did maybe. hear they taped her. I did maybe. hear that. Uh, so, so that's uh, sad to hear. But um, and again, it may not be accurate, and I hope it's not. But, but nevertheless, it was stunning to be watching that and not seeing her. I mean, Len Cario, uh, you missed it, Michael, but Len Cario uh, did all this introduction, and then um, the gay men's chorus um, sang "Mame," and right. um, I thought they would do a medley, frankly. I really did. I also um, heard that they, uh, uh, you know, I meant to watch it the other day, but I, I didn't get a chance. I, I think I can still access it. I heard that somehow they uh, flipped the lyrics uh, so that they didn't rhyme in the in MAME. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that. No, I didn't. No, but yeah. uh, I was probably um, <laughs> reaching for the candy box at that moment in time, you know, and first things first. Right. So, um, but really, uh, I, I was hoping for a medley um, and which brings up uh, Dear World, in fact. And isn't it nice that Dear World is going to get done at Encores and with Donna yes. Murphy? Whoa, yes, I'm yes, interested. Yes. I'm yes. interested. And uh, of course, we heard the, the two other shows, um, which are going to be done as well. Um, um, Light in the Piazza and Oliver. Um, and Oliver may seem to be um, a, a bit more mainstream, um, but still, you know, with all those kids and all that, it doesn't get done all that often when you think of it. So, so anyway, I wish them well. And what did you think of the uh, uh, any of the segments, the uh, the the presentation of the numbers, anything else that's doing well for you guys? Uh, what I'm going to say, um, uh, uh, the people I was with um, watching it said, "Ooh, that company number. Why did they do that? And I think the reason is, you know, you have to think about the fact that things are going to look good on TV and the fact that it's <laughs> essentially um, the whole breadth of the number is indeed right for a TV screen. I mean, for example, one of the best numbers ever in the history of the Tonys was we'll take a glass together for Grand Hotel. But again, one of the reasons is because it it mostly concentrates on those two people doing the dance and it's in a very small space. And I think that was one of the reasons a lot of people said, gee, they should have done, you know, and and, uh, so many other numbers from company. Every one of them is good, needless to say. But um, I think the reason they did it uh, was because it was uh, it, it was good for TV or as they say in Top Banana. Okay for TV, so um, so I think really that's the reason for that. So um, I thought it was a smart idea under those circumstances. I wish um, 
I don't know why they don't do this. It seems so obvious that this is what should be done. If they're going to have somebody sing uh, while the uh, memorial in memoriam section is presented, can't they just have the camera on that person at the very beginning and then not come back to them? Uh, and then once once they go to the memorial slides, can't they just stay with the slides and have the person keep singing as a, you know, as a voiceover? Uh, because it, I, I don't think we really needed to have the camera go back to Billy Porter twice uh, and, and stop the, the slides, uh, which meant that we had fewer time for fewer people. So I don't know why they do that. That seems such an obvious mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, Jane Powell wasn't in, but I guess, was it just the one show she did, Irene? I don't remember anything but Irene. I mean, she did after play off Broadway. Right, um, uh, right. But, um, yeah. I can't and, remember. And another playoff that I saw her in off Broadway. Uh huh. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you think of Ariana DeBose as the host? You know, I felt that I wasn't seeing the real Ariana DeBose. I felt I uh, that um, she wasn't being herself. That she was uh, taking on a persona. Um, so I didn't quite believe her. Um, I know that's an odd criticism because who knows what she's really like. That might be exactly who she is, but somehow it, it, it just seemed a, a bit on the phony side to me. Uh, Michael, how about you? I had a similar reaction. Did uh, you Peter, really? But you articulated it better mm -hmm. than me. I mean, I thought she was trying very hard mm -hmm. uh, to be, to do what she felt they wanted her to do, mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't seem like her, natural personality yeah boy um I, i'm very glad to hear you say that because i really thought um that this would be something that people would say what are you talking about uh, i'm going to be very controversial in a few minutes um about a, a, a performance that everybody is raving about so um <laughs> so as a result uh um, boy that's interesting you had the same reaction as i yeah yeah so um uh it's really uh, I don't want to say funny or interesting, but um, when Hugh first came on screen to do the Music Man uh, mm -hmm. uh, number, um, and they had that very tight shot on his face, I posted on Twitter right away. I'm like, he does not look well. No. no. Uh, and then the next day, wow. Hugh Jackman yeah. was, was out uh, of uh, testing positive for COVID. Uh, Has anybody so, heard if there have been any ramifications with people surrounding him at those awards? I mean, you know, really, uh, I, if I was sitting near him, I'd be very worried, or at least I'd go get tested. I, you know, and it's, it's, this was the fl flip side of it was that uh, the orchestra at Radio City Music Hall was, was unmasked. But if right. you were in the, in the mezzanine mm -hmm. or the balcony or be. things like that, you, you had to be masked. And it, it and yet we're still wearing masks and required to wear masks in Broadway theaters, but we did the Tony Awards unmasked and it, there's just so, so many mixed messages here of, of <laughs> well, let me tell you another story. That is uh, the day we were doing the theater world awards. That was Monday, June 6th. Okay. That morning I get the message that you cannot appear at the theater unless you were tested that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought, oh, my God, if I go and I'm positive, I mean, you know, I have this. What am I going to do? I mean, I have all this banter that I've written and, you know, who's going to be the host if I can't do it? I mean, mm -hmm. it was uh, it was the most uh, flabbergasting 15 minutes while I had to wait for the results, which indeed turned out to be negative, And I was able to do the show. But my God, seriously. What really happened? I heard backstage. I was backstage for a lot of it. And um Jane Howdyshell showed up and uh, she hadn't been tested. They actually made her go out and get tested. We had to uh, postpone her coming on with Jefferson Mays to give an award because uh, she had to be tested. So they really were very strict about it. I can still hear that stage manager saying, nobody's getting in here unless that person has been tested you know, and we want results right now. And really, so they, they actually did that for Jane Howdyshell. So uh, you have... Um, uh I'm going to get her last name incorrect, but Mallory uh, Medeki, Medeki uh -huh. uh, yeah. from Six, yeah. is the dance captain, and um, and uh, went on for in, at the Tony Awards because uh, the, sure. uh, one of one of the performers uh, tested positive, 
And so uh, let me say this. I have seen her do the show and she's mm-hmm. terrific. Yeah. Terrific. So um, you know, it wasn't just that number that I've seen. Um, Michael will blanch when I tell him I've been to six three times. None of this has anything to do with my affection for six, uh, for which I have very <laughs> little. But I have been three times. And um, one of the times she was in and she was terrific. Yeah, I did see her as well. When did I you? Went to six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it it it, it was uh, I, I felt like the, the Tony Awards were very encompassing of uh of the broadway experience and the contradictions that we've had in the last year and and all, all the different uh all the different stories that we've been telling about broadway in the last year seem to come up all in this one evening i i felt it was a very successful tony awards i thought it was entertaining mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i didn't think that there was any uh any tremendous shocks except for dana h uh, which I, it was a shock, but it wasn't undeserving. Um, and uh, it, it's just a, uh, I, I don't know what to say about how people follow up the, uh, this 2022 Tony Awards, uh, because I think that the 2023 Tony Awards, <laughs> now just 51 weeks away, is, here before uh, you know it is going to be here before you know it and it's going to be a very very different award season next year i think mm-hmm. all right so let's uh get on to our review section the three of us got a chance to see sarah silverman's the bedwetter at atlantic theater company's uh, linda gross theater so peter why don't you get us started on this this is the where i'm going to be controversial um because um i did not respond at all to the woman uh, playing the lead, playing Sarah, uh, the bedwetter herself. I thought that um, she was rather phony and strident. And um, everybody I talked to, uh, when I mentioned um, I saw the bedwetter, oh, I did too. That girl was terrific, don't you think? And then they have to hear me say no. So I am going to say that. And um, again, I am stressing that's a minority opinion. Um, So the show itself, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, one of the things that I think is very strange, uh, the girl goes to a sleepover and she wets. Um, the next time we see her friends who were at that sleepover, they have no reaction to uh, what had happened. They reacted when that very night. But the next time they see that, do they ignore her? Do they have pity for her? There are three girls. One could have pity. One could ignore. One could um, mock her. Um, but the fact is, it seems as if these girls were exactly the same as they were before the sleepover. And I think that's a, a big um, mistake. I remember it differently. Do you? You may be right. I do, because okay. the girls didn't see her again. Uh, uh, they had that, that number where they mocked her and then they missed her and they talked about how good she was. Seems Am I, to, am know, I missing I, that I, out I, of I, sequence? It, it, may be, it may be my mistake, believe me. Um, I'm fully willing to uh, say that I certainly make them, so uh, this may be one of them. But uh, that's the way it seemed to me. Um, Cassie Levy, wonderful. B.B. Uh, Neurath, wonderful, has a very funny song. Uh, very funny. It's uh, <laughs> and she delivers it as if um, she really is clueless because it's a it's a song where she doesn't understand exactly what she's saying is coming across the wrong way. And uh, she really <laughs> does. Rick Crumb is hilarious as Johnny Carson. My yeah, God, hilarious. Um, and uh, really, uh, Rick Crumb's been around for a long, long time. Uh, he did a show called Absolutely Rude some years ago. So he's a writer as well. He also was um, in The Goodbye Girl, if I recall correctly. And I uh, was good there, too. I mean, if I'm recalling, and that's a long time ago, suddenly, uh, The Goodbye Girl. And so, he was, mm-hmm. he's the force behind Musical. Right. Indeed. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. But I'm telling you, the Johnny Carson imitation is hilarious. He has other roles to do in the show. I mean, he, he doubles and triples and quadruples probably. But um, but the Johnny Carson thing is just so, so on, on the nose that it's, it's, it's really quite wonderful. So um, uh, the show's a little flabby. You know, it could be a little shorter. I don't think it would be a bad idea to, to cut it down and make it an intermissionless show. It's not. Um, but... Um, 
<laughs> and of course, you know, I, I, I wish there were a different title, even though it's truth in advertising, I'll grant mm. you. But, you know, this this I'm sure there are people who are automatically going to say a musical called The Bedwetter and stay away. I mean, yes. I would think so. You do yes. too, Michael, huh? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that's my take on it. Did I you have like one word for you? What? I have one word for you. You're, You're in, town. in town. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Very fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So, Michael, what'd you think? Yeah, um, I agree with you about the uh, the the lead, um, Zoglick. Really? Zoglick, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was. Well, I was going to say I agree with you to the extent of that. I think her voice was pitched in a place that was extremely difficult to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I had a problem with her acting as much as her singing. Um, but that's maybe partly uh, maybe the sound people could have done something to equalize uh, her, uh, <laughs> to equalize her sound, uh, to make, make it a little less annoying, uh, but they didn't. And that was, that was a big liability for this show. Um, as far as the acting, you know, I'm, I assume she was trying to really put on what she perceives as the personality of a young Sarah Silverman. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. it didn't work very well. Um, I, I completely agree about Rick Crome. Uh, he was even as, as great as he was as Johnny Carson. I thought he was also hilarious as that doctor who that, that very sick doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he's another, he and um, Jennifer Samard, I think they may have worked together. I'm trying to think, was she ever in musical? I don't know. Yeah, they may probably. they may have worked <laughs> together. Uh, if they ha- hadn't haven't, they should because they're both comic geniuses. Yeah, yeah. And, Good point. Know, Good for you. Mm-hmm. And it is a very strong cast. I, I, I'm so sad um, that I think we would all agree that the loss of Adam Schlesinger to COVID mm. is was a tremendous one. He wrote the music for this show and co-wrote the lyrics with Sarah Silverman, and he really seemed to have uh, a, a great future ahead of him. Uh, he also was going to write, um, I, I think we may have discussed, uh, they're working on a musical of The Nanny, and he was going mm. to do that. Mm. I, I think it's going forward without him, I think, uh, but I'm not sure. I haven't read anything about that recently. Um, so that that was that was really, and he, you know, I mean, he's a relatively quite a young man. Uh, so it's not like some of these 85-year-old, 90-year-old legends that we lost, which is very sad in its own way. But here was somebody right at the start of his career. Uh, so I just wanted to, to uh, acknowledge him and, and what a loss that was. Interesting that this uh, show, it says creative consultant David Yazbek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that might be largely because of the loss of Adam Schlesinger. They needed someone to just kind of pull things together. Um, I had heard a lot about this show before I saw it. I think there were really, really high hopes for it uh, moving to Broadway. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I um, disagree with you about the, uh, the young woman yeah. who was, yeah, who was playing, playing Sarah, the Zoe Glick. Um, this, uh, I, I really think that she, she was just amazing. And the sister, uh, who played uh, Laura? Uh, let me grab her name. Hold on a second. Is Emily Zimmerman? She looks just like Sarah Silverman. Yes, she really and, does. She really <laughs> looks just like Sarah yeah. Silverman. Yeah. And uh, and BB Newworth was uh, amazing as the grandmother. Um, I do agree with Michael uh, that. There are uh, – they do think that this is going to transfer to Broadway. I, I, I don't see how – I don't see how this plays to a Broadway house. Um, also, I think the reviews were not what they had hoped they would be. I think it would be nice as uh, – I think that they would make some money and it would be good to uh, make this into a Netflix special or something like that. Um, uh, sort of like, uh, uh, you know, Apple – 
Apple TV Plus has mm. uh, renewed Schmigadoon, and it's going to be go on to a second yeah, season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So maybe Apple TV Plus could do this uh, bedwetter, or Netflix will do it, or, mm. or some some Comedy Central will do it, or something like that. I, I don't think this this plays in a uh, large five hundred to fifteen hundred seat house. Uh, I I just think it's kind of the the type of show that it is is kind of in no man's land. That's a really good idea, James. I think it would be much better suited to that kind of TV presentation. And the and this is you know I I like Sarah Silverman. I, I I'm not overly uh, a big fan. I don't seek her out, but I think that she's funny when I see her. Uh, but her comedy. And some of the lines in the show made me very uncomfortable. It's that uncomfortable comedy, mm-hmm. uh, right? And uh, and some of the things that children were saying, I was like, uh, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was like, uh, just I I don't know if that that that's going to play in in a Broadway house either. Uh, and I don't see you know uh, the Hayes. Uh, you know, a 500 seat house. Even at that, even if you put this in the Hayes, I still think this is kind of. Uh, uh, n- not the right fit for a Broadway house. Mm. So uh, it's the bedwetter, and it's been extended. And uh, Jessica Vosk is going in during the just the extension. Uh, I guess uh, uh, Cassie's got to leave, or somebody's oh. got to somebody's got to leave. Yeah, uh, I assume it would it, be that role. Yeah, it it was extended. Um, yeah, Beth and so Jessica Vosk is going in July fifth to the tenth, just five days. Uh, in the Beth Ann role, which is the Cassie Levy role. Um, and speaking of extended, I'm sure you, you've all heard that Romeo and Bernadette yep. uh, has been extended through yep. July 21st. They were going to mm-hmm. close ne- the end of next week. Uh, but I, I'm really delighted at that because it'll give more people the chance to see it. Mm-hmm. I agree entirely. Okay, so that is the bedwetter at the Linda Gross uh, down in Chelsea, extended extended through July tenth, twenty twenty two. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So next up, we have uh, Peter. Right after our discussion last week, you hopped on Jersey Transit to get down to see the Pinup Girls. So at New Jersey Rep. So tell us about this. Yes, um, this is a very good musical by James Heinemann and Jeffrey Loden. But the title is wrong. That's the only problem with it, really. Um, Doesn't it sound like a show that's going to deal with the 40s and it's going to be great fun? It's a very serious show because what happens is that um, four people. Oh, let me also say. um, So four people come out to sing and they sing a, a, a 40s type of song. And one of the pinup girls is actually a guy. I don't mean a guy in drag. I mean, a guy. And it's explained that one of the women who was supposed to be in the show um, is delivering a baby and uh, she can't do it. So uh, he had to take over. So that sounds like it's going to be a fun show. And it's not really a fun show. It's a very good show, but it's not a fun show because what they do is they have found letters from veterans in the attic and they're going to read from the letters and they're going to comment on them in songs. Some of the songs are original. Some of them are not Uh, obviously a song like I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter is going to be in it, but there are some um, original songs by James Hyman and Jeff Loden as well. Okay. But the thing is there they are referencing Iraq and Vietnam and um, Afghanistan. And so, wow, you know, this is, this is heavy stuff. And uh, we are talking about people who think they're going to die when they're writing the letters or, or at least fear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think the title's wrong. I mean, you know, Long Day's Journey Into Night cannot be called My Fair Lady. And that's <laughs> that's the problem here. The label on the bottle is wrong. The musical is right. The label mm-hmm. on the bottle is wrong. So very, 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 very well performed by uh, the guy is named A.J. Melnick. Um, terrific. Brittany Jeffrey um, playing um, the um, the more serious roles, I would say. Uh, Sarah Glancy at Megan has a wonderful smile. But Phoenix Vaughn, Phoenix, by the way, is spelled F, I'm sorry, P-H-E-O as opposed to O-E. Phoenix Vaughn, if somebody wants to do a musical about Dorothy Loudon's life, this lady has to play the part. 
Uh, I don't know if there is a musical in Dorothy Loudon's life, even though there may be, because when you think of it, you know, she was down and out when, until Mike Nichols called her and said, listen, there's this musical called Danny and I think you'd be good for it. Hmm. Um, and she was, she, she was the first one to tell you that, that she felt that she'd never work again, so on and so forth. So um, maybe there's a musical there. Um, and if so, Phoenix gone has to play the part because she really is um, great for it. So um, I think this musical, um, really needs to be called letters with stories because that's a line in the show and letters with stories indicates at least some sort of seriousness that the show um, does seem to want to express. So, um, I mean, I fully went expected to hear one 40 song after another uh, boogie, Willie bugle boy, um, you know, all those, all those Andrew sister songs. I fully expect to hear those and uh, uh, don't fence me in, you know, all those songs from that era. Um, which would have been fine. Um, but these guys have much more on their mind, much more on their mind and good for them for having so much on their mind. But let's get the right name on the show. Hmm. Okay. So that is the Pinup Girls, a musical love letter at Jersey Rep. It's playing through July 10th. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Michael, you got over to the cutting room to see a celebration of Leroy Reams' life. So tell us about this. Yes, on Sunday, June 12th, uh, this was uh, the American Popular Song Society uh, decided to honor Leroy. And he has so many, so many wonderful friends in the business uh, that every single one of them that I know of was there. It, w- it was quite a wonderful uh, event that, that musical directed and largely coordinated by Michael Levine, uh, who was my fabulous musical director for Boys from Syracuse. So Michael had a very bu- busy week. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, these are the people here. Here are some of the people who performed uh, and or spoke for Leroy, Jim Brochu, Charles Bush, Michael Denby Kane. Uh, Len Carey was supposed to be there, but he had to be at the Tonys for Angela Lansbury. Uh, so he didn't show, but uh, Scott Coulter, Tony Danza, Melissa Errico, Beth Fowler, Penny Fuller, Anita Gillette, Jeff Harner, Karen Mason, Marilyn May signed on at the last minute. She was there. That was very exciting. Uh, Sydney Meyer, Steve Ross, one of my faves, Louis J. Stadlin, uh, Katie Sullivan, Walter Willison, and Karen Ziemba. Uh, so it was, it was really fun. Um, Leroy was front and center in the audience and had a lot of comments about, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, what people were saying about him from the stage. And it, it really, it's really a a great career, um, that he had. Uh, I, I always loved watching him in, it's, it's so random and fun to me that he's in, well, you would expect him to be in the movie of, sweet charity uh because that he was that kind of a dancer and i think he um he was in the show at some point on broadway uh but he's also in the movie of jesus christ superstar <laughs> uh, really? yes <laughs> yes he's one of the him and bobby lapone or two of those guys just kind of running around uh you know singing what's the buzz tell me what's happening really <laughs> oh boy i'm pulling out my dvd as soon as oh, this see, is i over. told you something yeah <laughs> Anyway, um, and then, of course, uh, you know, his his great Broadway career applause in which he was the uh, uh, much is always made of that. He was uh, people say that he was the first positive portrayal of a gay. Absolutely true. I was there. I saw it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, and then he went on to 42nd Street. He sounds so amazing on that 42nd Street album. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it just the other day. I mean, he, I guess he, well, I mean, he, he many people would think of him primarily as a dancer, at least in the beginning. But sure, his voice fair. was so great that he, he really was as good a singer as he was a dancer, if not even better. Um, so, and then, and then, of course, he went on to direct uh, he, 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 he was in a production of Hello, Dolly with Carol Channing, and then he directed her in a subsequent uh, tour, and then that one came to, back to Broadway as well. So 
Uh, yeah, I love. Oh, and then he played Dolly Levi, right? In, in yes, uh, I in saw Florida. him do it in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. It was so funny because uh, when that little wagon comes out at the beginning where Dolly is sitting reading the newspaper, mm. I've never seen a Dolly with such big hands. <laughs> Enormous, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but um, now, as you say, uh, the stories galore. No question about that. And uh, yes, uh, I, I remember being in awe of his performance at the mechanic in Baltimore of applause uh, saying, whoa, I am seeing something I have never seen before mm. a human being first and a gay man second. Yeah, it was really something. So uh, I'm so glad to have not only witnessed it, but understood it and appreciated it at the moment I was seeing it. So it made that great an impression. That really was groundbreaking and a, a shout out to Compton and green. Um, for having the idea, of course, the, the equivalent mm. of that character in All About Eve is a woman. <laughs> right. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, and how great of them to say, hey, you know, it's 1970. That's right. And, you know, uh, <laughs> and, the, and then they got to uh, that making Dwayne uh, make, making the character male and calling him Dwayne mm -hmm. and making him a gay man mm -hmm. uh, allowed them to have a scene in a gay bar. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. for, with, that led to the big production number, But Alive. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. that that whole, I mean, applause isn't maybe the greatest show ever written, but there's a lot of really good stuff in it. And, and I think they really move the uh, the uh, the needle forward uh, with Leroy's portrayal and the way that the character was written. Um, I'm too young to have seen Redhead, but um but I think redhead and applause are the ones that people are most mystified by. Uh, I don't mean two gentlemen of Verona. That's another story. But I mean, in terms of um, the fact that you had to be there and mm. uh, because redhead, um, a lot of people listen to the album and say, hmm, well, gee, that was the best musical. Uh, but really, uh, obviously, the production was phenomenal with Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. And uh, but applause too played so wonderfully well and um you can't get that from the album you don't it, it, ron field did one of the best jobs of directing and choreographing i have ever seen in a musical so so really um i know it's hard for people to understand that and i get it but um but still uh, i i insist that um that it really was spectacular and then uh after that michael you yes. uh you went on down to where was it? Where was the next thing? Ah, to the, the Lori Beachman. Yes, to the Lori Beachman Theater. Yes, to see three men and a baby grand. So tell us about that. The Lori Beachman, as uh, I'm sure we've mentioned in the past, is is a really nice uh, cabaret performance space in the basement of the West Bank Cafe, where I hang out a lot because it's right down the block from me now. Uh, and this was, um, I, I guess, they've been doing shows for a little bit now. Uh, after reopening, uh, you know, after being closed during most of the pandemic. Um, but this was my first time back and it was really great to be there for such a, a wonderful show called Three Men and a Baby Grand. Now, when I first heard this, I was a little confused because years ago, um, there was an act with that name, that same name. Uh, and that act involved Lee Lessick, Brian Lane Green, uh, and Johnny Rogers with, I think, John Boswell at the piano. Uh, and they were pretty popular for a little bit. I think they even made an album uh, that I may have somewhere, but they haven't performed uh, under that title, that, that name uh, for many years, as far as I know. Uh, so I guess, uh, and, and in fact, um, when I got the press release on this uh, this version of three men and a baby grand. I, I asked the, I, I asked the press agent and I, uh, I said, you know, I, I said, does this have anything to do with that previous incarnation? And he was unaware of it. And then it turns out the, um, the people who put the show to this show together also were unaware. I was speaking to, <laughs> uh, 
uh, one of them last night. And he said, we really, he said, we really Googled it. <laughs> he said, <laughs> and we really tried to make sure that nobody else used that, but we, it, but nothing came up. Uh, so uh, I think that's maybe because uh, it's whether you spell out the word three or use the numeral and also the, uh, the old group, three men and a baby grand, they, they wrote it three men and a baby dot, dot, dot grand G R A N D. Uh, exclamation point. Um, anyway, uh, this new group is just fantastic. Uh, it, they, it consists of uh, Richard Rogers Award winner Brandon James Gwynn at the piano, and he wrote uh, a lot of their special material, and he seems extremely talented in both of those areas, as well as as a singer. And then the other two guys are a, a couple, uh, Dylan Hartwell and Greg Sullivan. Uh, and so they play on their, their coupledom a lot in the show. This was a tremendously gay show, as you as you might imagine, I, I don't know if they gated up because it's Pride Month, um, mm -hmm. but uh, but I imagine it, it's generally pretty gay anyway. It opened up with, uh, uh, you, you know, how a company in the original version opens with the uh, offstage voices mm -hmm. uh, singing Bobby, Bobby. Mm -hmm. Bo well, this one opened with the men singing poppers poppers <laughs> pop 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 pop, pop. <laughs> all right so the, so you knew what you were in for right from the beginning um and then uh there was a really great title song three men and a baby grand written uh by brandon real but just really really well written both the both the music and the lyrics uh then uh they went on and on and, and did lots of original and uh, standards as well. Uh, there was a number they did that's not familiar to me, a song called Cowboy Take Me Away mm. uh, by the Chicks. Anybody know it? Nope. No. No. Anyway. Uh, the Dixie Chicks were uh, changed their name to the Chicks. Uh, ah, so, oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They took the Dixie uh, uh, out. Yes. They took the Dixie out a couple yeah. of years back. So I don't know that song, but uh, that's probably, you know, well, it was a terrific song, and it and allowed two of the guys to whistle in harmony. Uh, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard people whistle in harmony. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> wow, that sounds hard. <laughs> but the um, the three part harmony singing throughout this show was just phenomenal. And I, you know, I mean, we had just done Boys from Syracuse with "Sing for Your Supper," and I just resaw Company with "You Could Drive a Person Crazy" and. Three-part harmony is really great when it's done right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. that was that was uh, made for an even more enjoyable evening. Uh, there was a, a new original song about gay marriage um, that was very very good. Uh, they did um, Sunday, not from Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, Fargram song. No, but oh. no, you have one more guess. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm done. What? Tick tick boom. Ah, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if the title of that is just Sunday or Sunday brunch. Uh huh. Uh, but anyway, that that great number, that great um, Jonathan Larson number. Uh, they the uh, the two the couple sang "I Know Him So Well." Dylan and Greg sang "I Know Him So Well" from Chess, uh, completely straight and heartfelt, and that was beautiful. And then there was a Disney villains medley, uh -huh. and they ended with "Where the Boys Are," and they uh, noted that they're going to be in Provincetown <laughs> yeah. performing in August. Uh, and I tell you, uh, August—it uh, seems like late August. Uh, into September is the time to be in Provincetown if you're going to go because they're going to be there. Marilyn May is going to be there. Stephen Brinberg's going to be there. That's um, nice. I mean, of course, earlier on they 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 have some pretty great people too. Audra's going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the the lineup of people that they they've been having in Provincetown in recent years is just phenomenal. So it's unfortunately it's not that. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that easy to get there, and it takes quite, no. a, quite a bit of time if you're coming from New York. Uh, but it's worth it, really. Uh, check check out the stuff they're having there at the uh, at the Art House Cinema and, and the other venues in Provincetown. All right, so that wraps it up for this morning. Before we get on to trivia, 
end our musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to find our podcast, you'll find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found on the show notes at broadwayradio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia? Remember homonyms from your grammar school days? They're words that sound the same but are spelled differently, like C-S-E-E, meaning vision, and S-E-A, meaning body of water. So what musical that once played on West 46th Street has homonyms in the last name of its composer and the first name of its lyricist? I'm talking about Ain't Broadway Grand, which played the Lundfontaine and had music by Mitch Lee and lyrics by Lee Adams. Mitch Lee spells his last name L-E-I-G-H, while Lee Adams spells his first name L-E-E. Nikki Juvan was the first to answer, followed by Tony Janicki, Paul Witte, Isaac Blevins, Brigadude, Deb Popple, Steve Bell, Robert Lobiondo, and Josh Israel, who said that if the Great Gatsby musical had played 46th Street, <laughs> we would have had another Lee Lee musical, thanks to Carolyn Lee and Lee Pockris, uh, their adaptation. Actually, it never got on at all, at least not yet, so we can still hope for someday, maybe. Okay. This week's questions. What do these songs have in common? Cabaret, The Worst Pies in London, They're Playing Our Song, Colored Lights, The Big Doll House, and My Unfortunate Erection. <laughs> okay. If you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, in my shopping for old records, I found something quite wonderful. Uh, three records set called Theaterland Showstoppers by the original London casts, 1943 to 1968. Uh, three LP set. Uh, the label is EMI Columbia. So I guess it's actually from England. And it's really great. Uh, it goes from something called Old Chelsea uh to uh well it goes right up to the i guess there was a, a revival of the boyfriend uh with tony adams um and cheryl kennedy i didn't even remember that that happened uh and uh it's got robert and elizabeth keith michelle uh barry kent and camelot and some of the uh london recordings that are included here i think are familiar to a lot of people howard keel in Oklahoma, but some are very much less familiar. Uh, did you all know that Elizabeth Seale uh, did Hernando's Hideaway in Pajama Game in London? Yeah, uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I wish she had come back in another musical um, here because I would have loved to have seen her, but um, it wasn't to be. And uh, Shaney Wallace in Call Me Madam? That I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so I... Uh, wanted to uh, to excerpt two uh, selections from this really great three LP set. The opener, I chose uh, Frankie Howard uh, uh, leading mm -hmm. comedy tonight mm -hmm. uh, from the original London cast recording of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and the closer, although we just had Julie Andrews last week, I, I thought this was so much fun. Uh, she sang the operatic aria the Polonaise from the opera Mignon, uh, Mignon in, a, uh, in a review called Starlight Roof uh, that was done on the London stage when she was still a child. And uh, at the time, as she has mentioned many times, her voice was practically freakish. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a four octave range and the, the, the high note at the end, I'm not even sure what it is. It might be like <laughs> a, a high F. <laughs> so uh, you can listen to that and enjoy it and think, uh, you know, how wonderful it is that she's still with us. And she just got a lifetime achievement award from the American film Institute. <laughs> All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.
Ah, 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 ah,